Good morning and welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word. Our first reading for this morning is the introit for Palm Sunday. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. This is the word of the Lord. Our Old Testament reading is from Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the twelfth chapter. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him 
when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you feeling forsaken yet? If you are, that could be fairly well expected at this time. It's understandable if you feel like you have been isolated and are alone in this world that is very different than what it looked like a month ago. In a world where it can be dangerous to even go outside, a world where the support networks that you're used to just aren't quite as around as they used to be. And so it could be expected if you are feeling forsaken by your friends, your family, your neighbors, maybe even by God himself. But of course, then we have to ask the question, are you really forsaken by God? And we all likely know the answer to that question, but it's okay to ask the question. Because sometimes we need to hear the answer. We need to hear the truth that our Lord has not forsaken us. Listen again one more time, therefore, to our intro it for today, wherein the psalmist is struggling with this, struggling with whether or not God has forsaken him. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. As many of you likely know, traditionally when we process in on Palm Sunday, we echo the very words that the crowds echoed when Jesus processed in during the triumphal entry. And we shout out with loud voices, Hosanna! But I wonder if sometimes we don't forget what that word actually means. Hosanna isn't a praise word necessarily, like Alleluia or something like that. It is, in fact, a petition. It's a prayer, a request from whoever it is that you're speaking to, a request specifically to save us now. Not 
to save us later, not in the future sometime, but instead to save us now, in this moment. And in our intro, it, there was many and various ways that the psalmist was telling us that. That the psalmist was, in fact, asking of God to save him now. You heard the psalmist say, do not be far off. Don't be a distant God. Don't be someone who is far away and is not interested in my sufferings and my afflictions, but instead be someone who is here with me. You even heard the psalmist ask to come quickly to my aid, asking him to come, to be here, to join us in our afflictions, to join us in our sufferings, and to bring aid when he does, to bring help when he comes. You heard the psalmist ask God to save him from the mouth of the lion. And of course, we recognize that when you hear that, hopefully a bell rings and you remember about how the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking the one whom he will devour. The psalmist recognized that he needed to be saved from that lion, that he needed someone to be not far from him, someone who would be close to him and guard him against that lion. But do we remember that? Do we remember that we, in fact, need saving, even here and now at this point? You heard the psalmist recognize this need. You heard how he pointed to the ones who see him and mock him, the ones who make mouths at him and wag their heads. And even while we're not as familiar with those phrases nowadays, they all essentially mean the same thing. The people are mocking him. They're making fun of him. Just as people are perhaps mocking us even now. Mocking us because they don't understand why we would go to such lengths as having smaller communion services because we think that communion is so important. That we would go to such lengths as live streaming our services because we believe that the word of God is important enough that even during this time when we can't join together as we would like, that it's still important for the word to go out. There are people who don't understand why we gather together at all especially during this time when it seems like we shouldn't sometimes. Because they don't understand what's being offered here. They don't understand the gifts that we can receive through his word and his sacrament. But of course, we also recognize, just as the psalmist did, that as annoying and frustrating as it can be to be mocked and to be made fun of, that there are vastly more dangerous things in this world. That we do need to be afraid of the mouth of the lion and the horns of the wild oxen. And of course we recognize that on some level that is talking physically. We need to be concerned about our physical health. 
At this time, that looks like taking the right precautions in order to keep ourselves safe from the virus, but also recognizing that ultimately there is only one person who can deliver us from that. But as much as those physical realities are there, we also recognize that just as important, just as worthy of our caution are the spiritual dangers. Dangers like the devil, who is prowling around, roaring at us, trying to scare us away from our Lord, trying to tempt us to flee from him. Those spiritual dangers are just as important, if not more important, to be wary of as the spiritual as the physical, that is. Because one of the dangers of the spiritual dangers is that we don't often see them coming. They often sneak up on us. Before we even know that they're there, we recognize the truth that those troubles are near, just as near to us as those physical troubles are. And oftentimes we can look around and we can think that there is none to help us with these troubles. Oftentimes we can see the dangers and the troubles around us and we can be driven to ask the question, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it looks like that. And now very well may be one of those times for us. And even though we recognize the truth, even though we know that of course God has not forsaken us, it's okay to ask the question. Because we need to hear the answer. We need to hear the truth that our Lord has not forsaken us. That, in fact, he can't forsake us. You see, because if he was forsaking us, then it would make what Jesus did on the cross nothing. He can't forsake us because he already has forsaken his son on the cross. When Jesus was hanging there on that tree, the Father removed himself from his son. He ensured that his son would suffer the very little literal definition of hell itself, to be separated from God, to be forsaken from God, in order to ensure that we would not suffer that separation, in order to ensure that we would not suffer hell Jesus took that hell upon himself. He took the punishment for our sin upon himself in order to ensure that we would never be forsaken by God, no matter what's going on around us. And that is true, and that is real. It is a reality that is more real than almost anything else that is around us. But it doesn't always feel like it's real. It doesn't always feel like it's true. 
Oftentimes, our sinful nature, which still sticks around inside of us, the very sinful nature that separated us from God in the first place, the very thing that causes us to sin, and therefore, the very reason that our Lord needed to die is still inside of us, still working to isolate us from our Savior, still driving us away from the gifts that strengthen our faith, driving us away from the one who can save us, the one who in fact already has saved us. And it's not just our own sinful nature that is working against us, it's the world itself, the world trying to blind you to your Savior, trying possibly even now to distract you with something else on your screen, some other button to push, instead of listening to what your Savior has done to you. And also, of course, the devil is not just sitting around idle. The devil is still prowling around, still trying to tempt you away from your Savior, trying to get you to run away from him rather than to run to him, trying to get you to trust in literally anything else aside from God. Our psalmist recognized the truth that even though the mockers, even though those who were making fun of him were saying this, he trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Even though people were making fun of him for that, even though people make fun of us for that, they're actually right. They were actually speaking the truth. The truth that we who trust in the Lord can count on him to deliver us, can count on him to rescue us, because he delights in us. He delights in those who trust in him, and he wants all of us, wants all of us to be with him and to trust in him. And we can trust in that more than we can trust in anything else. We recognize that Jesus died on the cross in order to make sure that our sin no longer can separate us from him, no longer will cause him to forsake us. We recognize that the world tries to blind us from our Savior because he's here with us. And that we can look to him, we can hear him and trust in him. And we recognize that the devil is forced to rely on temptations and tricks and lies because he cannot wrestle us away from God. He cannot steal us away from God by his own power. We recognize that we are safe with him. We are safe in his refuge. Therefore, we can echo what our other readings for today said. We can, in fact, rejoice as daughters of Zion, rejoice as children of the King, because our King is coming, righteous and having salvation. He's coming in His purity, in His righteousness, in His goodness, and He's coming with His salvation. 
The day will come when he returns and he gathers all of his together to be with him and his righteousness and his holiness gathers us together as, he, as his who are, in fact, righteous and holy as the very ones that he has saved through his death on the cross. But we also recognize that that is in the future. We're not sure when in the future. We're not sure when it's going to happen. But it is in the future. We also recognize that here and now, he comes to us a little bit differently. He comes to us as he came to Jerusalem on that day 2,000 years ago. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He didn't come into Jerusalem in glory and honor, banishing the evils of the world with his great might. He came in humility, bearing the sin of the world on his shoulders and defeating the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature with his death on the cross. And even now, he doesn't come to us in his glory and his power. Not yet. Right now, he comes to us humbly. He comes to us simply in the word, the teachings that he left behind to his apostles. He comes to us through the waters of baptism, washing you clean of all of your sin and coming to dwell inside of you as you dwell inside of him through those waters. And he comes to you in, with, and under the bread and wine of his supper, giving you his very body and blood in order to sustain your faith in this dark dark world. It can feel sometimes like God has forsaken us. And when you feel like that, it's okay to ask the question. It's okay to ask, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the groaning of my lips? And when you ask that question, listen for his truth. Know his truth. The truth that no matter what your feelings say, no matter what your enemies say as they mock you, no matter what the world says as it tries to distract you and blind you from the truth, no matter what the devil lies to you and tells you, know the answer to the question. Your God has not forsaken you. He is here, now, with you. And he will be with you here, now, and even forever into eternity. And you can trust in that truth. Your God has not forsaken you. Now may the peace which passes all understanding Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.